Strictly Legal, Odds Good Professional Development's podcast about all things legal. Each week we unpack issues currently affecting the legal landscape with the help of some of the industry's leading thinkers. This week features Greg Wolfund of SecureKey discussing identity verification for the legal profession. And now your host, Amy Terhar. Welcome to Strictly Legal. My name is Amy Terhar, and today we'll be looking at identity verification for the legal profession. I'll be chatting with Greg Wolfond about how a Canadian approach to identity is helping lawyers and the legal profession. Welcome to Strictly Legal, Greg. Ah, thanks, Amy. It's great to be here. Greg, I would say you are sharper than any of the other leading edges <laughs> uh, of thought leaders on identity today, and, and few people can keep up with your speed in this in this world of identity, and I'm really looking forward to getting your take on, on what's happening and what SecureKey do, is doing, especially with Verified Me for the for, for lawyers and the legal profession and both for the business and the practice of law. And for those who may not know you or know of you, you're a Toronto-based serial entrepreneur whose earlier ventures include Footprint Software Inc., a financial software company which you sold to IBM, um, and also 724 Solutions Inc., which was a, a wireless infrastructure software provider that you took public. Those all have uh, very interesting uh, histories and stories on their own. But now you... Um, are most commonly known for being the founder of SecureKey and its chief executive officer. And um, I'm really looking forward. Maybe you can just tell us a little bit about what SecureKey is doing, um, about your new product, Verified Me, and um, then we'll get into a few more questions about um, how this impacts the business and practice of law. Yeah. Thanks, Amy. I mean, it, it's it's an important topic. Like what SecureKey basically is trying to do is trying to make it easier for you to be you and safer. Like our, our general approach on these things is that um, it's not just digital ID, but identity in general is broken, right? It's just right. way too easy for someone to show up with a fake driver's license that says they're so-and-so and get a loan, get a mortgage, anything else. And it puts everybody in the system at risk. It, it used to be that you could know data. You could show up and know your SIN number and know your income and date of birth and answer these questions to prove who you are. But breaches like Cap One recently and Desjardins, like 8 million people's name, address, date of birth, SIN number, income, that doesn't work anymore. So if we can't trust like the piece of plastic because we can print them in our home and they'll beat all the tests, take a picture front, back, match your face, really easy for the bad guys to become you because we've created this behavior of showing our driver's license to everybody we need to. Right. Right? We show it every time we check into a hotel so the cameras capture it. We show when we want to sign up for Airbnb. There's a problem that static data like that doesn't really work. And the bad guys are taking advantage of that, right? They're taking advantage to get loans, to put mortgages on homes, to get in the middle of big transactions and prove that there's someone who they're not. And this is a growing problem. So SecureKey's main business is how do we make it easier for people to access services in a secure, scalable way? Right. And I know you're actually you're you're on faculty uh, for a couple of pro programs here at Osgood Professional Development. Um, one uh, upcoming in November first on data breaches and cybersecurity incidents, and then also you're part of the faculty for our sensational certificate in blockchain smart contracts and the law. And um, those I find those two programs in particular really bring together what um, 
you're you're doing with you know seeing identity as data and being able to create a platform for a consensual shared approach to personal data for um, for individuals and particularly going back to what you're saying about you know these honeypots of data that um, lawyers are relying as a number of other uh, retail and public and um, Actually, and other private organizations are relying on the driver's license for identity verification. And as lawyers, particularly, we have you know our own KYC regulations to comply with. And most of the time, what's happening okay. is that lawyers are taking a photocopy of that driver's license as a method to verify the identity of clients and third parties when they're um, receiving instructions, particularly as it relates to a transaction or opening a new client or retainer for a client. And, um, you know, I want to chat more a little bit about maybe you could give us more of an idea of what verified.me is, what that means for the legal profession and for allied professionals together with them. um, And about, you know, identity as data generally and how you're pioneering that approach to consensual based data sharing. Sure. So, I mean, we have a really tight partnership with the financial industry in the country. We run a service called Concierge. 15 million credentials have been created so I can use my bank login to go to CRA or go to unemployment or get a permit for a a backcountry camping pass. Instead of creating a new user ID and password, I can just log in securely with my bank and use all of their tools, all of the hundreds of millions they spend a year on security to make sure it's actually me when I'm going to do that service. So that's a phenomenal service that we launched first. It's live with the federal government. It's live in Quebec now. It's coming live in Ontario. It's live in many other provinces. And it's a great kind of security feature. What verified me this new feature comes, it says, hey, the banks are dealing with this fraud, right? People are calling up knowing the information, having fake driver's license, and banks have to do KYC the same way lawyers have to do KYC. And the problem is the existing processes don't work, right? I can't just take a look at a driver's license, assume that it's right. I can go do an Equifax or a TransUnion check, but I don't really know that's the real Amy who's come in. So how do I really know it's the right person? And the vectors that the bad guys are using are getting so broad now, right? Like the recent one where they're able to use Google AI and become a voice. So they came in as one of these corporations and they call the company and say, hey, I'm Bob, I'm the CEO. I want you to transfer $240,000. I want you to do it right now. Well, the person they're calling at the company, it's Bob's voice. Exactly. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with things like one of the law firms we're working with here they get an instruction that comes in by email. It says it's from, I don't know the name. I'll say greg.wolfond at securekey.com. And I want you to, tr- you know, the transaction we're doing, transfer the funds to this account. They're having a conversation. Email is the same as voice kind of conversation. How do they know that's real? Because in this case, it wasn't. And it was millions of dollars that was transferred to a wrong account because it wasn't really from me, Greg Wolfond. So um, this stuff is a real problem. So what we're doing with Verified Me is saying, look, if I really want to know it's Amy doing the transaction, I can say, hey, for step up security, hey, Amy, log in at your bank, Royal Bank. So we have investors, Royal Bank, TD, Scotia, BMO, CIBC, Desjardins, National Bank are all investing saying we have to make this safer. So log in at your bank and have your bank tell me this is really Amy. And at the same time, we'll check the cell phone to say, hey, is this really coming from Amy's cell phone to know where it is? So that could be used for upfront KYC validation, and we've got all these reports that say this this new method of dual source to know that it's you meets the new KYC guidelines for the legal community as much as it meets it for banks, um, and then prove it's you. Whether it's I'm doing a real estate transaction, I need to know it's you the first time, or it's transactional. Hey, if you want me to do this, Amy, just prove it's you real time in this transaction. 
this is going to make the services and, and the system more secure. Because without it, the bad guys are taking advantage. They're socially engineering ways to get money, to take over identity, to, to do things that are nefarious. And the old way of doing stuff, that we could just look at a driver's license or photocopy a driver's license, A, it doesn't work, it's subject to fraud, and B, we're storing all of this data about people, which puts the law firm at risk of what if there's a breach and someone takes all my data and gets everything else. That shouldn't be the case, right? Like we can show up and prove, hey, Greg matched the face on his driver's license and it was him. That by itself isn't enough because they can make a fake driver's license, print it on my printer and then match it. Um, but that together with, hey, and I can log into a bank who says I've had an account for three years and I logged in right now and I've got my phone and I want to get data from Equifax that says I'm not a fraudster, all that kind of data we can deliver with a person's consent in real time. So the user, if it's the real Amy, will get something on her phone and say, hey, do you consent to share from Royal Bank that you're really Amy, from Rogers that you have your phone, uh, and your credit score from Equifax? Yes. And we'll share that data in real time. We don't see the data ever. And the law firm then can be secure because it meets KYC AML and in seconds they know they're dealing with the real person. And we have this service and it's working in person and it's working online and it's working on the phone that's trying to shut down some of these vectors where the bad guys are reaping millions in fraudulent gain. And so uh, uh, some of your literature talks about this tr this uh, trademark triple blind approach built on blockchain. Maybe you could, yeah. I mean, it sounds like I think coming out of what you've just said, it's like, what relying party has access to the information and how does that, I'm, I'm thinking particularly as this relates to um, a greater and more robust type of identity verification. There's been right. a long history with the Law Society and the Federation of Law Societies yeah. and reading down the requirements to meet FinTrack requirements, yeah. reading that down to enable lawyers to get away from this right. breach of solicitor client privilege. and. You know, what I've observed with the way that you're approaching, you know, identity verification built on blockchain is that, you know, you've got this, it seems like a higher level of identity verification yeah, without breaching solicitor client privilege. Right. So what, what we tried to do in the network, especially for things like solicitor client privilege and even stuff as private as seeing health records, is we had to make sure there was a way that you could share your data with parties you wanted to share it to, but there was no way the network could ever, ever see your data. And there was no way that the parties who were sharing your data, like the bank or anything else, could know where you're going. I don't want my bank knowing I'm going to mental health, or I don't want them knowing I'm going to this kind of care. There had to be a privacy that the sender doesn't necessarily know where I'm going, the receiver doesn't necessarily get to know all my data, and the network that's sharing data never stores and never sees your data. So we went to this approach with the blockchain network just to store consents, that you consented to share your data uh, to party A, and then we go get the data from the sources you've agreed to share from. We encrypt it at those sources and deliver it to the other end. And blockchain's great because what it's done, or what it's doing is each of the banks is running a, a node, and all they're able to do is have consents inside, so no PII stored in the network. PII being person uh, identifiable. Per person identifiable information, yeah. that's right, stored, I know my acronyms, <laughs> uh, stored in the network. But we're able to make it more resilient that way. We're able to make it sharing, and we're able to maintain this privacy by design, GDPR kind of privacy standards because the network doesn't see uh, what you're doing. And then w once we can do that, we're also making sure on the other side that when you're saying it's you, we actually have a pretty high assurance it's you, right? If you can log into your banking app, put your face in front of your Royal Bank app and prove it's you, if we can check with the telco, your SIM hasn't changed, your um, device is your device, and we can check that stuff with the telcos, 
Um, if it's a higher value transaction, we can turn on the camera and check you against your passport or your driver's license. We're able to do identity validation to kind of you know, exponentially greater than it's being done today um, and then deliver that with trust to relying parties. So this is what all the banks are going to towards KYC and AML and onboarding customers. And it's what some of the legal firms are starting to move to because shoot, this is a huge expense and a huge thing for them to run. And if it could be done cost effectively and more securely than it's done today, it makes sense. Like the banks are not doing this as a make money thing. It's not gonna move the needle. They're doing this as a greater good thing. Like Canada, like if we don't shut down these vectors of attack, it's not gonna be good for anyone in Canada. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it seems to, like, I mean, with this type of capability, it seems there's a lot of different types of use cases that, you know, legal professionals could integrate into their own practice, um, like beyond a client intake KYC 101 standard feature, but getting, you know, greater higher assurance and documents and um, third party remote verifications. And you're talking about, you know, having this Google AI replicate voice. How do you authenticate? You know, is there a way uh, and a method of authenticating that voice that gives you greater assurance of the identity of that voice? But all of this stuff hooks in, right? So it may be that the fraudster can start faking voices and stuff, but if I can push out to you on your device in the middle of a transaction, say, Amy, if it's really you, log into Royal Bank right now, let me check your phone and have you confirm that it's you, I get past this voice beat part, right? I get to a level three authentication right. in our tech speak, and I really know it's Amy who's confirming this for transaction. We're working with partners like Notarius who do digital, digital signatures. So instead of this kind of what we do today, which is good enough in quotes, um, digital signature, we can actually put a digital signature on a document that you click on it, and to prove it's really you signing, hey, log into your bank, we're gonna check your device. And now when I get back a digital signature, it's European standard digital signatures, and I know that Amy signed this document. So you're really pioneering a whole new approach to identity, like the existing identity solutions that I've evaluated in the market, they seem to rely on social, <laughs> social identity credentials, which doesn't seem as robust and um, I know you're getting a lot of recognition. Your chief identity officer, Andre Boysen, recently testified uh, at Congress about you know, this approach. Maybe you could just give us a little bit of um, uh, more of an understanding about you know, the type of recognition that you're gaining globally and, and in this new approach and, and, and how you're making Canada so proud. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Canada's an amazing place. Like I've run lots of software companies and this traveled the world quite a bit. There's no place I'd rather live than Canada. And we can do some amazing innovation here, right? Like in how many countries can you get banks together, telcos together, governments together and say, hey, let's build something that's safer for all our citizens. Um, and that's kind of what's happening here. So we're getting reach outs now. We'll be launching a similar kind of network in the US. We'll be launching similar stuff in the UK. They've all done different things and tried things. Like we built the UK uh, uh, Verify. We support one of the partners that's in UK Verify for them. We did connect.gov in the US. And the NIST folks, the privacy security folks in the state said, hey, we don't like these hubs in the middle kind of thing, which traditional brokers do. We want to find a way where people can share their data and there's no way to track um, what they're doing, kind of like the triple blind privacy we implemented. We couldn't do that without the blockchain implementation that we do. And now people are recognizing that what we've done in Canada meets the bars, right? It's got this security that's up to what I know, what I have, what I am, like the bank being a very, very strong what I know, what I have, my mobile device, what I am, my biometric from government. And they're realizing, holy moly, these guys cracked the security bar for cyber, and they cracked the privacy bar for being able to share whatever data. 
So like the pilot we did was CRA that's moving along quite well and they're really lit up on that they're speaking about quite a bit. They just spoke to all the revenue agencies around the world yesterday on a podcast kind of like this saying, look, what we're able to do is now show up at a bank um, and I want to prove that it's really Amy. But I also the bank also wants to know, hey, I want to know Amy's income for the last three years. I want to know how much room she had in her tax-free savings account, how much room in her RSP, and we'll share that electronically. It may not seem like a lot, but Amy wants to know that it's really her who's sharing it. No one else is sharing her data. And the bank wants to know this is really coming from CRA. So now the bank's getting a claim that comes from CRA saying, and this is the pilot that we did with them, this is really Amy's income, and another bank saying, yeah, this is really Amy. Their security bar is way up here, and their process for underwriting a mortgage, for example, goes from weeks, like the traditional process is I have to call the CRA, prove who I am, which takes forever, like half the calls get answered. And then I, then I have to get them to send me a letter that says, here's my income for the last three years. And I take the letter into the government. And hopefully, or I take the letter into the bank, and hopefully I don't modify the letter in the middle because it's pretty easy to modify a PDF document and go in the middle. So this real-time kind of sharing, I think it will redefine all kinds of processes in lending and mortgages and the rest. Like it's just the whole point of the system was to make it really easy for you to be you but in the background, the security bars behind that are really, really strong. And so the FIs are saying, the telcos are saying, hey, let's find a way to work together and make this work. And this is kind of what Verified Me is doing. And you're going to see a ton of new use cases coming from renting high-end cars to getting insurance like Sun Life's on the network to getting a new cell phone to SIM swap, right? The stuff that happened to Jack Dorsey recently and happens to all of us. Someone takes over your SIM at the telco. You can't control that. So someone can walk into another telco, they could walk into TELUS, who might not be your provider, and say, here's my phone number, I'm Amy, here's my account number, and they transfer your SIM. The second they transfer your SIM, within minutes, they're going to the bank and saying, add a payee and do other stuff, knowing that they've got the out-of-band auth on the device. And they're, getting into, they're, they're recovering your Google account, because your recovery is your SMS message. And they're getting into your Google Docs and seeing all your passwords, and in the crypto world where people are going like, we don't do crypto, but they're stealing your blockchain currency, your Bitcoin, and they're stealing hundreds of millions of dollars from people by doing just, they started a tel, I, I breached the telco, I get your account, I recover your Google, I get in here. So they trail these things together to get value and take away money. And it's just broken, like this whole thing does not work. So by working together, like we think it should be when someone's switching your SIM or taking over, you should be able to say, yeah, that's me. Log in at your bank and prove you're Amy. Prove you have your SIM and then take it over. None of this, just know this data and I can be Amy. It's, it's a ridiculously low bar. Health is the same. I mean, I don't want to go on healthcare, <laughs> but it's just like, come on, seriously. Like they have this really high bar for healthcare. My mom, she has to, to see her records online. She has to go to the hospital, show her health card, um, um, prove she's her. They give her a PIN number. She goes home to log in. And then if she doesn't remember her PIN number, she phones and says, that's okay. If you don't know your PIN number, darling, I think they called her. Just just, t just tell me your medical record number and we'll let you get access. And she's like, I don't know my medical record number. That's okay. Just call this 800 number, tell us your name, and we'll tell your medical record number. So we've gone from what's supposed to be this really high bar <laughs> to a nothing bar. Or sending out to recover, just we'll send you an email, click on the link, and you can become PDU's my mom to see all your health records. Like we're not treating security well enough in all of these things in legal and banking and the rest. But we're trying to say, hey, there is a way. If we can bring together telco and bank auth and bring in government documents, we're way above the bars that FinTrack set for banking. We're way above the KYC bar they're setting for lawyers. And we can make it really easy for clients to prove who they are. 
one time or transactionally in the middle of a transaction on the phone or online. And it just it's going to start taking away a lot of the fraud and make everybody safer in, in this country. Wow. It's, I, I mean, we're so lucky to have you part of this ecosystem, and um, I really hope the legal profession gets yeah. <laughs> on board because yeah. I, there's so many um, you know, efficiencies to be gained, and we're really in the dark ages <laughs> when well, it comes the, to identity verification. It takes time, right? The concierge stuff at the federal government took a long time to ramp up, but we have millions of Canadians using these services now, using their bank to log on for other stuff. This isn't that different, right? I want to prove who I am to a lawyer. If I can get um, FinTrack compliant, lawyer compliant kind of KYC just by, hey, do you have a bank account at one of these banks? Yeah, log in at Royal Bank, enter your out-of-band auth. Okay to share your real you to this lawyer, yes. And that meets the requirements because I've got the telco saying it's me and I've got the bank saying it's me or I can have the driver's license added if I want another kind of factor depending on what I want. And I can do that in real time. That just night and day compares to, hey, come on in, let me look at your driver's license which isn't a real test. Like there's no, that's not, looking at a piece of plastic that's printed, like it just, oh no, it wasn't built to be a security document. It's not a security document. So there are better ways for us to prove who we are. And I think as we move digitally, uh, the legal profession has to get on board with stuff like this because it can really streamline a lot of process they do oh, and protect the industry. Like it's, it's really think, required. Especially for real estate, uh, when it comes to transferring um, funds the direction of, you know, a new or mysterious client or receiving instructions on behalf of a third party. Like I can only imagine that it, yeah. <laughs> that would, you know, do a lot to um, reduce, reduce fraud and reduce risk across uh, various practice areas. And it's tough, right? Like it's not, I don't, the numbers aren't that huge, but just someone showing up and saying, hey, I want to sell this house, but it's not really their house or I want to rent the scam that's going on for students where someone rents a place on Airbnb and then puts it on Kijiji and rents it out five different times to different students who aren't aware and doing that. Or someone putting a mortgage. Like when I started this business, it was because um, someone put a mortgage on my cousin's house, another friend's house, and it wasn't them. So like at the end of the day, there's a lawyer who's vetting that this person is you know, Joe, my cousin in this one case and other places, but they have no clue. They're looking at a driver's license saying, yeah, you're a reputable person. You must be that person, but it's not that person. So, you know, at the end of the day, that just creates all kinds of strife and headaches and legal battles. Oh, absolutely. And even when, like, say the lawyer isn't really the target of the fraud, like you're talking about this, this mortgage issue, yeah. they have professional obligations to avoid representing a client engaged in criminal activity. That's a whole other yeah. level of, um, of, of, beneficial. But that's but that's kind of thing. Like one part I missed early on as we built this stuff, because the technology, the blockchain and storing cryptographic proofs in the ledger is one thing. The bigger part of this network was the governance, like governance and how it works, right? So what the network tries to do is to protect people. So as an individual, what are you allowed to share to whom? You should be able to share to a bar that you're over 19 and here's my face. You should be able to share to a healthcare provider that this is my health card number. You should be able to share to a lawyer enough stuff to do KYC and AML. But I don't want to overshare information. So the network, there's a governance committee that's set up to say which parties are in the network, what are they allowed to ask, and there's agreements between these parties. So this was uh, 36 lawyers, I think, oh, for three great. years <laughs> and getting just the legal contracts around. You know, if a bank is going to share your data, they have to be sure the, the network is secure. They have to make sure what are the obligations to go through and what do they have to do? And the liabilities have to get straight. So a relying party, what do they have to do on the network, right? They want to make sure someone who's requesting is actually who they say they are. So they get keys to request. And then what can they request? So a lawyer can request this data. 
<laughs> and the banks are saying, look, I'll guarantee that they've done the log and everything else, but there's liability models in between. So the, 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 there has to be a balance of liability and the rest. Today, it's very similar to what it is in the real world. You look at a driver's license, it may be yours, it may be not. You're doing what you have to do as a lawyer, and this has to be the same in Verified Me. So the bank will provide, yes, this is Greg Wolfond on the state, but if they're wrong, if a fake Greg Wolfond got in, there can't be liability that flows back to them through the system. So they're accepting this as their KYC ML, so it's gonna work through the, to the lawyer side, but we have to really make sure that we've got the right balances in the network across, and the customer has a EULA, and that they're very clear, look, your EULA data- being. Uh, EULA being an end user license agreement, yeah, yeah, <laughs> license agreements. So we want to make sure that the user knows your data will never be shared without your explicit consent. Every time you're sharing, you'll be asked, do you agree to share this data to this party for this purpose? And because there's so many factors of authentication that you can log in at your bank, you can know who you are, different parties can get different data, consumers will start to really trust the way this goes. Because I don't like the way it is today. I don't like that Equifax shares everything about me, every bill I've ever had with a landlord. I'm just trying to rent an apartment and they print out that report and it sits in a drawer in their desk. Like it's not secured at all. Um, is it better if I could show up at the apartment and be asked, hey Greg, are you willing to share that your credit is over 500 from Equifax uh, and that you're really Greg Wolfon from your bank and that your income is over $70,000 a year from CRA or from one of your ADP or one of your providers? That's the kind of stuff we're gonna be able to share in real time. And that's all they need to know. So they can then approve the lender and then I can make the payment and keep going from there. So it really changes that process versus me spending days. The other one that comes online this fall is background check. So, you know, today to do a background check, you're onboarding an employee or someone else, it's like two weeks and it's $65 from back check on one of these companies. We'll deliver a background check, you know, in almost real time for $5. Like Amazing. I've never done a background check on babysitters who look after my kids or someone who's in my house for weeks doing painting but if it was five bucks, would you want to do a background check on someone uh -huh. who's doing that, 100%. right? <laughs> so all of a sudden, this stuff starts to be available. Hey, Amy, you know you don't want to do yeah. this thing. I'll just do a background check. And then the whole way the economy is turning, where it's going to go to the gig economy, and people will work for days or hours at a company. I just want to know you're really you. I want you to have this history. You're hired, and you get paid for the work that you do. That's kind of where it's transitioning. But none of that can happen unless I can get strong identity assurance and other data that you can share with your consent. And that's really what Verified Me is trying to do. It's a privacy secured data sharing network, um, which wow. initially is gonna be this KYC AML thing. And so for the legal community, really, really important. And there's the things that they can do on top of that afterwards to redo other processes and make things more secure are astounding, right? And it, it's oh, pretty absolutely. exciting. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to follow, you know, um, the future and things are happening at such a rapid pace for okay. for the company. I know that um, it's, it's going to be really fun to follow. Thank you okay. so much for being here, Greg. And um, how can our listeners, um, if they want to find out more information, um, where would you direct them? Yeah, I mean, for all the services, the company at securekey.com and Verified Me is just verified.me. You can download the app. You can play with it a bit. There's some amazing thing you get free credit score uh, from Equifax. And there's other things you can do inside it soon. You'll be able to see other places you can share beyond Sun Life and other places you can go. But it's uh, it's the beginning of a journey. Awesome. And we're thrilled that so many parties are coming in and saying, hey, we have to fix this and fix it now. So and you also thanks have, for having me. Uh, oh, you're very welcome. And, and just before we go, I think you also have a, a backslash legal on verified.me. Um, for uh, specifically for the legal profession, that is one of your targets. So yeah, that's true. We have a whole white paper and a whole opinion piece on how it meets the KYC AML standards and how it works and the APIs and how to get going. So amazing. Love love to work with parties who want to get going early and 
jo- join the future kind of well, thank you so much greg this has been so fascinating and so helpful yeah. and thanks for having me You're this has been strictly legal for more information on osgood professional development programming please visit us at www.osgoodpd.ca